Welcome everybody to Watch Me Pod, the pod about game changers in punk, emo, and hardcore. A, a, a sort of set, sort of kind of salad bar, the the pizza ranch buffet. Um, today we're we're taking inventory of mid year. I, as always, am your host Jim. I'm Hugo. Yeah, we're uh, we're. Put, pushing the pause button this when you hear this it's going to be smack dab in the middle of the year and we want to you know step back and reflect on sort of the things that we have taken in and seen so far and talk about where we think the punk emo and hardcore scenes kind of collectively are um just based on you know our, our pretty heavy immersion into things uh, I think it's been an interesting year, and I think that there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, but first, as always, we want to start by talking a little bit of current events. It has been, um, I don't know, for me, it's been an enormously eventful last couple of weeks with uh, with many, many gigs and quite a bit of stuff coming out. We're gonna we're gonna put our focus on on live gigs and getting to them. Uh, specifically, Hugo, you and I both attended Tied Down, the one-day hardcore fest uh, in Detroit at Russell Industrial Center. Um, Hugo, what did you think of Tied Down? I mean, honestly, it was pretty perfect. My expectations for shows are just way too high now, and it met everything. I think the vibes were just right. We had a nice, we had a nice solid crew of just four people. I know not everyone knew each other, but it was pretty, pretty quick bonding. Um, the space was cool. It was like the biggest, I haven't been to a VFW hall show. It felt like that. Um, and all the bands, all the bands were great. Um, I was just very receptive. Even the stuff that I wasn't totally into, it was the best environment to really take it in and um if you're in the midwest and like you can't make it to some of the east or west coast stuff where this where the hardcore fests tend to be centralized i would recommend tie down for last year the booking was was very solid you had more of your melodic hardcore fair like one step closer your more corn adjacent stuff like omerta uh fiddlehead for your non for your non-core stuff but um some old like what's now older hardcore like trash talk and and comeback kid and yeah it's i i really enjoyed myself and i had very i my my expectations were very low like i wasn't sure what to expect especially this was for me like my first hardcore fest um and i think it was a good example of it because i as a bigger dude, my my ankles can't take a, a lot of days. So I think this was the perfect amount of music. Uh, yeah, like two two thumbs up. I'm sure Jimmy feel the same way. Yeah, no, the vibes were immaculate. Russell Industrial is a perfect venue. Uh, it was nice and cool in there. It was a very hot day outside. It was nice to not have to be out in any kind of heat. Um, it's definitely a place that has the capacity to get a whole lot more packed than it was, which I think is, uh, is nice. I think things were lit enough up front to where it didn't 
feel shot. Um, I think you should also say the room's massive. The room is fucking massive. I don't know what cap it. It has to be like a four or five thousand cap room. Like it's fucking big. Like um, it feels like the room's turnstile is playing right now. Yeah. Kind of big. Yes. Um, very long. There was a whole like merch bazaar area in the back. Um, a completely, completely, perfectly eclectic and kind of representative bill. Um, like pretty much all aspects of current, like what is currently had in hardcore, besides maybe the kind of more power violent stuff, were pretty well represented. Um, the I'm I'm a big big believer in the one day thing, like the the hardcore festivals the big ones the sound and furies the this is hardcore is the ldbs they all have their place i personally like a cliff's notes version because i like to be in and out i don't necessarily always relish the idea of being immersed in a festival environment for two or three days straight because i'm fucking old um it's definitely happening next year and i'm curious to see what tweaks that they make um but it is a really really good emerging thing i think that we're seeing the sort of long tail so to speak extend we're we're seeing a lot more of these kind of more niche festivals be they niche in terms of um you know types of bands as with big takeover or it's kind of more niche in terms of geography because detroit is obviously a place that in terms of you think big epicenters for hardcore kind of off the beaten path but um yeah really well balanced i'm excited to uh go to it every year as long as it's a thing and the, the ticket price is pretty affordable too um so obviously we will be talking about it as details emerge uh next year but um yeah tied down gets a two thumbs up for me as well what were we should probably mention what were your standout sets okay so for me i mean show me the body fucking stole the show um they're not a band that i had a super big level of familiarity with going in i just know that i just knew that they're they were really a spectacle live um show me the body plays hardcore that kind of sounds like if ceremony and death grips uh had a kid with a little bit of lightning bolt thrown in um and their singer plays a banjo that is heavily distorted which is a good bit um makes the music gives the music like an, an inherently like demonic and unhinged element and it makes people act demonic and unhinged like it was the i think probably the biggest crowd reaction of the night and there were the it was the only band that from where i stood that i could see like a fight breaking out during so fun stuff they were the they were the highlight for me from just like a wow factor perspective and then just from a this had been a long time coming and these bands are just best in class uh jesus peace and mind force have to be the the two the two sort of runners up for me yeah uh, those bands seemed, are incredible mind force seemed to be the main event next to like never ending game yeah never ending game obviously like have, having the x factor of it being a hometown show for them um but that yeah that said um hugo what were yours i, I you said a lot you said a lot of them. i think probably the best set i saw from fiddle fiddlehead and i yep. think for being like a big space or vfw hall the sound was like pretty immaculate and honestly yeah to my ears which is always like a big breaking point for me which can make or break a show i i 
just going because I saw them at like Chi Town Football, which is not built for live shows. It's a cool space, but I get a little picky with shows there. So it was nice to see Fiddlehead in a in a place that was appropriately suited to them. And I think the big one and I have very quickly gone, to, this band has very quickly become my favorite band in hardcore. Getting to see End It open, open up very early in the show was really, was really, really cool. The songs off their 2020 EP really popped. Um, and I think this, this new thing they have coming out, I think they have a lot of potential to like, to do a lot of cool stuff. Cause it feels like we talked about mind force with their 20 2018 record being like hardcore for every kind of listener and i feel that same way about end it um, yeah end it end it is the is tent party hardcore in kind of a completely different way than let's say mind force or drain are right like mind force and drain are fun because they like they mix kind of you know traditional new york hardcore with kind of a you know, a bit more like SoCal thrash kind of sound, whereas Ended is like a perfect sort of intersection of beatdown and hardcore punk, which I think it makes sense that they they have the potential to be kind of big because both of those little subgenres are pretty fucking massive right now. So yeah, and that Baltimore sound, I don't know. It's like it's some of my some of my favorite hardcore vocalists are from there and it just there's just a particular charisma that that town breeds out of out of hardcore that like it just takes it it just takes it to another level like very very smart having justice of of ty and angel dust on the new song i was gonna say the justice feature is big yeah and it's like that's the ty comps the, the easiest one just because it's it's inescapable when you're talking about Baltimore bands in the modern yeah. day, um, but yeah, it was really cool to finally get to see them. Absolutely, um, um, bands that I didn't necessarily go in expecting to see, but did that I was impressed by were Shackled and Omerta. Both of those are bands that have a whole lot of buzz on them, and it was nice to actually get to hear what they sounded like. Um, as far as stuff that's happened since then just a couple quick notes i've been just playing hella gigs with my two new bands um resignation and hate files <laughs> um not that that's important what is important is the bands that we played with uh make them pay yes make them pay um <laughs> so there's so one of the shows we played with for your health ohio strong um and and love also ohio based those bands are fucking fantastic if you've been living under a rock and haven't checked out for your health like they are sort of best in class um screamo adjacent hardcore their new stuff they did on the on the uh split they did with awake but still in bed um fucking really kind of more in an emo vein which i think is cool broadening their horizons i was gonna Um, say they're on an interesting trajectory right right now they're getting a whole lot more melodic because they have interesting that a sky they're touring with the sky so black because that new stuff is in that 
as we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of like 2002 emo cosplay lately. And yep. a whole lot of and, bands done in like Finch. Yeah. And For Your Health was kind of doing that on the last record, but the new EP is like pretty firmly in that in that zone and for your health is probably one of the best live bands that i've seen and they they only get better you can tell that they just tour a lot they're such sweeties too my gosh some of the most magnanimous people i've ever shared space with um love it um and love check them out too and um this past both of those were this past week god it's crazy uh thursday we got to play with a band out of Nashville called Purity Among Thieves. Um, really kind of in a, I would say that they're they're in the kind of, in the New York hardcore sort of sound pocket, but a little kind of more serious than a lot of New York hardcore stuff lately is. Like they, they I like bands from Flyover Country because they're way, better at breaking the rules a lot of the time and um specifically like bands from nashville tend to be pretty iconoclastic when they're playing heavy stuff and so purity among thieves check them out as well um it's really nice really nice stuff i don't have a whole lot else from the current events uh well do you have anything else hugo uh i can just i'm gonna be bringing some of these up when we get to our main topic but i kind of had a big this past week it's definitely more like emo emo stuff. I went to the Snow Owlet release show for Glory Days, which spoiler alert is my favorite thing uh, from this year with our with Arcadia Gray and Gosh Diggity. Um, really fun show. Um, also saw Pool Kids and Couplet are touring it into it over it and did a and did a little show at uh, Yield Burlington. So that was nice. A lot of homies came out. I feel like that that new Pool Kids record's about to be really, really good. Um, and Sweet Pill jumped on the show, who also put out something on Top Shelf. If you generally like Top Shelf 2010 stuff, where it's it's kind of like Toe doing emo kind of stuff, um, intricate but not like overly intricate. Um, and I like the move Sweet Pill does which is a rarity in an emo band, which is just a front person. They don't play any instrument, so it just gives it uh, a different feel. Um, yesterday, as we're as of 620, which is the day before we're recording, Dowsing played their first Chicago show in four years uh, with, with droughts and uh, lettering. That was cool. Dowsing was like, one of the first like emo revival bands for some reason that I really latched on to like I really cribbed Eric Saja's like whole guitar playing style um from his first two records that was that was cool it was definitely like a family a family reunion type event for them especially because most of them don't live in Chicago anymore uh, so that was that was cool, you know. Love got home early. Love an eight p.m. start. Oh uh, yeah. So it was it was nice. I had I had a little I had like a little emo emo week, uh, which is always which is always appreciated. Yeah, thematic uh, thematic for this episode, I suppose. Um, yeah. 
I, I love dowsing. I'm so glad that you got to you got to see them. I'm so glad that they're playing gigs again. They're yeah. one of the and, best. And they just because everyone's in town, they like literally recorded a record. So good. I think it's cool that they're it's they're just playing with house money where it's just fun. They're basically playing like every local band now, which is like we're not touring. It's only when we're all in town and can play and can play music because the only other option is they weren't going to be a band uh, yep. and, and it's cool it's cool especially in emo which i think struggles with this more than hardcore which is how to make it 10 years or make it past the second or third record because you know it's such like a high school college thing and unless you're mm-hmm. like a big tent band you're usually not going to make it to the 10 to the 10 year point the the virgin breaking up versus the chad nominally staying together and playing one show a year true yeah it's uh we love to see it um the trick to staying together is staying together (laughs) (laughs) um i don't I, i don't have any skin in the game so i can't i can't say that uh in good faith but uh that being said we are here to do a mid-year assessment of the uh, the whole ecosystem that we're a part of. Uh, we're going to start off in Emoville and then yeah, head over to Hardcore Town for the back half of the episode. So, Hugo, I'm going to kick it over to you. Okay, yeah, let's let's get to it. Let's talk about my favorite thing in the world, emo. emo. Uh, it's definitely felt like a weird year so far and we kind of we're going to be covering a lot of stuff we talked about in our emo 4.5 episode and i think i kind of mentioned it in there how last year felt like this what feels like a defining year if we're talking about emo in the 2010s where all the stuff that was building up the last couple years maybe starting in 2018 or 19 is coming to the forefront fifth wave becomes like this thing we talk about where it feels like specifically an emo i'll compare it like 2021 was was 2013 for the 20 like if we want to compare because 2013 world is emo starts coming into the main into like mainstream media and it's a similar thing i feel like last year where um where now it feels like there's not this hangover a lot of the bands that put stuff out from last year putting stuff out now but i haven't been seeing i haven't been seeing as much emerging stuff um and like it's it's records from return guests that are good but i don't know if when we talk legacy stuff it'll be the record um so i kind of split these up into similar subdivisions uh i have big hitters so like the big emo stuff Uh, i'm gonna run through some of these pretty quick uh just just for time constraints Uh, mom jeans put out sweet tooth it's pretty it's pretty different from from what they did before i feel like they're leaning more into their into their pop rock and fully moving away from like the twinkle stuff i i'm not sure what the consensus is on puppy love but i feel like people were pretty hot on sweet tooth when it when it came out um and then 
I know Jim, you'll have more to say on this one. Oso Oso, sore, sore thumb. Uh, Dude. The, yeah. I think that it's like my favorite Oso Oso will always be Unihon mixtape because that's the one that hit for me. That's the one that got me into them. And I have like a very deep um, emotional connection with it, sentimental connection. And Similar things can be said for Baskin in the Glow to a reduced degree, but I think that this record is kind of the most complete statement that Jade has made in this project, and I think it feels like a very complete record. Um, however long in the tooth it might feel, because it is a little longer, um, it finds ways to keep you hooked in and stay interesting, and I just love how whimsical and adventurous. Like, it's it's saying something if a if an album is leaning long and whimsical because whimsical can be goofy if you're not careful but there's something about the way jade does his specific kind of flavor of whimsical stuff that is just really fucking compelling like he's just doing it with his whole chest and i really appreciate that yeah yeah um i don't know where i stand on sort i liked it but i just haven't spent I haven't spent enough time and it could just be the cycle of fandom. Like I was very into basking in the glow and this record doesn't hit in the same way, but I think it's much, it's circumstantial, just like the whole story behind this where it's, where it's really like the demoing of what was going to be the next LP turned into a full record and still good. I, it just hasn't, it just hasn't hit for me and it could just be, it could just be me, but it's still, it's still a good Oso Oso record, but I think it's maybe number four out of, if I had to rank, rank them, I don't know where this would sit for you. If you had to rank the LPs. Yeah. I think it's probably, it's probably number three for me. Yeah. Like I, I like real stories more than most people, their first LP, but it's, it's, I, it's before Unihon. And it's like before he kind of gets to the platonic ideal of this of this project, which is just like perfect pop melodies. Um, and I, I don't think the production's quite there yet, but it's I still have a soft spot in my heart for that real stories over this. Um, yeah, mo- moving on. Uh, you have Prince Daddy with their self-titled. Uh, I don't, this, this one was getting a lot of hype in the circles I run into. And I think it's, it's an interesting move. It's the first record where, where Corey actually works with a vocal coach, the same person that trains pops. And it is, it, it, it follows a typical trajectory of like third, third LP uh, transition to, to indie rock and i i appreciate what they're doing but i think the people that were hyping it up are the people who weren't into prince daddy and now are but it's still good it's just not what i was originally coming to them for which is like more of the punk energy the full-throatedness but this one was if we're talking about return like bands coming back with an lp this one was like pretty hotly anticipated and it's coming and they left counterintuitive for um it's a pure noise yeah for pure noise um did you listen to this one at all jim 
Yeah, no, I because I, I listened to it when it first dropped and then I revisited it. Um, I think that like it very much makes sense what they're doing. Like I, it is such a, it is such a typical trajectory for a, a hype emo band to like do a couple circuits on the hype of the way that they did sound and then move in a more indie rock direction. It's just, it's the, it's a, it's an archetype as old as time, right? Like, yeah, and, totally. And I think that they do it they execute on it pretty well. Like I went into it with a good degree of skepticism because bands can, bands can go in that direction and just become boring. But I didn't, I didn't get that from this necessarily. I know that the album was, was met with like mixed reception because again, um, it, I don't know if it was that mixed. I feel like, I feel like people were generally in, into it. Oh, that's good then, because I think it's good for whatever reason. I thought maybe I just like, I think I have a pretty, uh, a pretty like emo purist um, kind of peanut gallery as far as the kind of people that tend to talk about these things because the chatter in my, in my circles was mixed. But that being said, like, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really well done. Yeah. I just, I'm, we've said this. I'm just at the point in my life where I've, I already had like my, my indie phase and I kind of lately have returned out of that and like I can understand the trajectory because it happens with every every emo band where like it gets it gets boring writing these these same kind of songs all the time and you I don't know like with Prince Daddy like I can imagine like you get into the sidekicks and you want to make stuff that's a little that's yeah. a little different um that's just that's my guess with some of these emo bands kind of the sidekicks aren't emo but like so influential on a lot of those stuff well and it's like you gotta broaden your fucking horizons you know like it's like it's not it's not i can't imagine it's fun to play like the same like glockamora worship album over and over again right oh like, yeah and they were already like, they were already like pretty ambitious with the last with the last record too like a whole concept record about taking taking acid to the wizard of oz yeah yeah so those are i guess i'll put it in here i was gonna put it later but another big one for you anxious little greenhouse so um yeah i'll just really quickly say this this made it onto my my list obviously um so i'll talk about it now <laughs> Uh, this is my favorite album of all time. <laughs> oh my god, are, are you still? I'm still on it, man. I'm still <laughs> on it, dude. I, I I knew that when it came out, and I'm sticking by it. It is everything I want in an album. It's done by hardcore kids. It is the perfect mix of pop punk and emo. It is insanely capable songwriting, insanely well delivered. The album is paced wonderfully. It's sort of a lot of, it kind of is in, chapters and a lot of the songs kind of flow together seamlessly and that's always a, a hit for me um the band i haven't seen them live yet but they put on a hell of a live show this this album rules it's truly the the start of something huge and we love to see it that's what i'll say about it yeah i originally put this i have a separate subsection which is hard hardcore dudes doing emo but it feels like this one is too big to not call a heavy hitter because it feels like this is like very early in the year, January, when you're kind of in the dregs of new music coming out. And it felt like this was a big one. And 
as we keep coming back to like 2002 core stuff this is like it perfectly hits those boxes and it appears it, i it's one of those that feels like it appeals to like multi it's multi-generational emo like i feel like whether young or old there's something to to latch on to um and i yeah. i think it's a pretty it's a pretty significant jump i'll miss like title fight anxious but this is a cool spot where they're more where this is more like not only 2002 but it sounds like 20 tons pop punk too in a way yeah they're just doing like a perfect they do such a good synthesis of sort of every high level version of emo and pop punk that's been relevant over the course of the last 40 years that it it's completely an uncanny valley its own thing while still like having all the hooks of all those things it's, yeah. it's like brilliantly fucking well executed from that perspective and there's like i always appreciate when somebody uses the texas as a reason riff oh yeah <laughs> and yeah. I, when i say that if you've listened to texas you know what i mean if um if they're not here when we get back it's ours that beginning riff so many emo bands have just stolen that riff to start a song or put it in there and i always appreciate when especially a younger band uses that because it's like a little it's a little easter egg for old heads absolutely um moving on this is this is probably what has the most i'm calling it returners because there was a lot of records this year that are just stuff that came out in years previous second or third records uh let's start out with one i know you've heard for sure the awake but still in bed for your health split uh dropped pretty recently the awake but still in bed record was from 2018 was like one of my favorite things the four-year health record from last year was was up there and I like the split a lot because it feels like both bands going in a different direction. The Lake but Still in Bed stuff are just, it's just rippers pretty much. Um, Shannon's in that same screamy zone, but it feels even more like straight ahead emo than anything else. It's like, uh, it's less of like that hotelier, like anthemic rising and fall thing and just straight ahead. Um, the For Your Health stuff is like i said interesting it's more a peak of where they can go and to me for your health at this point they've reached that territory of being an album band for me yeah like, the smaller releases are cool but i want to i want to hear a full record especially with where they're headed sonically now like their next album is going to be so fucking interesting like i'm telling you like if you like if you like mall screamo so if you like Thursday and Finch and any of that stuff that is, you know, melodic, um, melodic, anthemic, screamo adjacent fucking emo and pop punk from the early 2000s, For Your Health is the best in class band doing that sound right now from where I sit. So it's worth it's worth your time to give them a listen, especially this new material, because it's very much where they're headed. Like when they play live, they play an armor for sleep cover. Like oh shit. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's an indication of where they're fucking headed. Um, yeah. 
dang, that got me way too stoked. Armor for yeah. sleep. That's that's it's not. It feels more like a deep cut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they're they're heads, so it makes it makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's continue down the split train. Home is where and record setter did a split. Record setter is probably one of my yeah stupid good, and I think it's notable because home is where kind of not even a transition. I don't know if this is a one off, but. This is straight up like hardcore screamo to me. Yeah. Uh, Pierce from Solos on it, and I I like the other Homes Wear stuff, but this is much more in my zone, and I think maybe more not indicative, but I know Brandon McDonald, the singer, is real is a, a like hardcore person as much as she is. Uh, an emo person so I think that's cool record setters last record was like one of my favorite things from 2020 and I I appreciate it's it kind of has a little bit of a conceptual thing where it's it's for the trans people it's not for anybody else um trans music made for trans people is always a fucking good thing um yes. yeah what what'd you think of the split dude I thought it was fucking fire man I like I I'm so impressed by just the momentum both of these bands have and the trajectory they're going on. I think that what I'm struck by is that we're having this wonderful period where, and we'll, I'll keep coming back to this in this episode, but um, the ability for anybody to be an, an armchair archivist online and the ability for somebody, you know, a young person who's getting into music to develop a level of expertise in a specific genre and time period of music and be interested enough in that to do it uh, in, a, in a new form with current day production technologies has yielded this wonderful thing where we're, we're getting all these um, reboots of genres like you know the page 99 era of Screamo, but with updated both sensibilities and production. And for me, like this split was the kind of most concentrated version of that that I've seen yet. And I love it. I, I think that it's, I mean, without having a super refined palette in this kind of stuff, because admittedly I'm like not a screamo guy, I know enough about the tropes to, uh, to understand when they're being executed pretty well. And this was just, this was just out of the park. Yeah. And it's like, it's the most accessible version of Screamo that that you're that you're hearing, like production wise, which which really differentiates it from like what Screamo was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, moving on, kind kind of more on the lo-fi and civil civil war in France. I placed them in that similar vein of your arms are my cocoon. This is like this is like really, really niche, but it came out on Showwave Records. He's been doing a lot of screamo stuff. Um, I just a quick, quick recommend on the on that one. Um, yeah, it's very like if you like. I've made this comp before, but like if you like B Thousand or Vampire on Titus by Guided by Voices, this has extraordinarily similar energy to that. And yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a nice. It's a nice little EP. 
um, hey, hey, I love you, which we, I forgot to, I'm pretty sure I forgot to mention them on the emo 4.5, but put out uh, a really popping EP, EP last year, um, and put out their full length psychokinetic love songs, kind of, they're in that same vein of lo-fi, but it's, it's much more, it's taking a much more maximalist, approach really putting everything there's some chip there's some chip tune stuff um and if you're talking like at the forefront of like what you would define of fifth wave stuff i feel like hey i love you is one of those pretty important ones and i think i like civil war in france and that stuff but it's much more accessible to someone who isn't as averse in the well-versed in the more hardcore adjacent stuff. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, moving on, uh, Lobster Fight, which we talked about also, put out their record, Sun Soaking. Just more of the same, more of the same from them. Uh, pretty, pretty solid, has a lot of, definitely feels like a family affair with how many features are around this thing feels like a little bit of a, a love letter to the scene that's that's been propping them up uh next proper great american novel uh, i feel like this this one's interesting because i've been seeing more bands doing this but proper went from like an emo band to like we're just gonna play prog now which I've been seeing, like, hey, I love you does that a little bit. And I've been seeing more emo bands taking this, which is like the we listen to Fall of Troy and Coheed and that stuff growing up. And we want to make records like that. Cause I know the singer proper was like, I I I I listened to that stuff first before emo. I feel like I came into that later. And it's it's nice to see a band taking that kind of big of a swing it was not not what i was expecting from them at all yeah um not much to say on that so let's move on i thought it was good i just didn't i thought it was really well executed i just beyond that i it's not not something that i felt in, in my depth to to give any sort of deeper analysis to yeah to totally i just think i think it's just an interesting trend to keep to keep an eye on because i was really in, i was i was into their into their last record a, a good amount um and just i i haven't returned to it a lot but i i this i appreciate this kind of swinging for defenses is much more in in like what i what i appreciate uh forest getting losers were in eternal damnation more on the international front uh math mafia emo stuff uh can't can't go can't go wrong with them if we're talking like more emo from asia they're probably the hottest yeah. one i feel i feel like they're they're the one that more american listeners are latching on to and that's not a bad thing um i i it sounds like a forest record uh if you like forest you'll like this yeah, and if you're an old head listening to this and you like uh, the early Braid material, but also Friction, Bob Nana's first band, this this band has a lot of that for me. Yeah. 
Friction was one of the first bands I ever from first real emo bands I ever got into, and this is this is hitting that from that zone for me. And like just as an aside, like I could lose count how much of the emo revival is actually owed to Braid and not American football. So like by proxy, a lot of that stuff is gonna you can make a line to Braid. Totally. It's, ins- it's, ins- it's insane. And also the Braid reunion record is amazing yeah uh, just just needed to shout that out because i feel like that doesn't get said enough braid has like the same level of influence on modern on like current day emo as like mad ball has on fucking current day hardcore <laughs> braid cover a mad ball song uh, two minutes to late night braid mad ball uh splitsville let's do this yeah uh next i'm gonna go to one that i that's close to my heart, Snow Owlet, Glory Days. Um, I love, I love this this record. I've had it for for a while. Snow sent it to me, and I like at first wasn't as into it as I thought, but this it really keeps tugging at you, at you. And I think, I think it's just a really cool follow up because I feel like you can make these. The, the suburban indie rock star is like his indie rock record that's got a little emo and glory days is like straight pop straight pop punk through like the prism of of emo with a little bit of indie rock but it's just five rippers it's all all killer no filler to use some some 41 um and i I've listened to this EP probably like 30 times. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Uh, so outside of the two obvious ones, Anxious and Praise on your list, this is but far and away my favorite thing on this list, man. This is so fucking good. Um, I'm like just absolutely floored. Like if you've been sleeping on snow for whatever reason, like you need to quit. You need to fucking get your affairs in order and start listening to Snow Ellet because I can't. Snow Ellet is like this generation's answer to fucking Alex Chilton, straight up. Yeah. Fucking, like no, no fucking hesitation on me saying that. It's not a hot take at all. Listen to it and find out for yourself. Yeah, there's a lot of comps. Like I think Snow describes it as um blink 182 doing power pop uh the drums is an obvious comp but basically combining the the love as a suburban person of pop of 2000s pop punk with a little bit with a little bit of an with a little bit of an indie rock flair the tagline is too pop punk for the indie kids too indie rock for the pop punk kids and i definitely felt that because i saw them open for Meet Me at the Altar, the Easy Core band. And I like Meet Me at the Altar, but you could feel it was a little, it was a little more indie rock than like Meet Me at the Altar, obviously. And the kids there didn't really know what to do. (laughs) Totally, like they they weren't confused. They were enjoying themselves. It's just, it's just the, the ambiance of a show is just different than, pop punk with breakdowns um yep 
which I I told Snow I'm waiting I'm waiting for them to do their their uh their their pop punk uh lifetime worship project already because I think they could do that. I let's let's fucking hope it happens. Yeah, no, they're no pressure project. <laughs> um, this hasn't come out yet, but I've heard it short fictions every moment of every day. Their follow up to Fate's Worse Than Death. Another one where I was unsure on first blush. I feel like it's partially they're developing more into like straight emo pop, more the the sort of like there's a screamo song in this new one. But the Scream of the Versions aren't there as much as on the last one. And I still need to sit down lyrically. But when I am saying, I don't know if I like this one as much as the last one, my favorite emo record still might, of the last couple of years, still might be their last one. So that's not really, it's not really a dig. It's just got, it's just got more to do with me. But their band, I'm always in the bag bag for because i think like not exactly the same as anxious but i feel like they appeal to both a newer emo listener and the the emo revival enjoyer from like 10 years ago yeah i would say it feels like as close to a tent party and we talked about like tent party bands right bands that synthesize a whole bunch of compelling little nibbly subgenres into one thing so that they can be like a catch-all um, for people who enjoy the genre broadly and like, you know, bring out people. And this uh, short fiction seem like they're in that zone. Like it's a style of emo that I think has, I think that has only continued to like become more uh, accessible for people because it's just very rocking. And yeah. the, for me, like, like one of my favorite bands, emo adjacent bands last decade was Roswell Kid, because they're like in the fucking Weezer Maladroit school of of emo rock, and I, I love shit like this, man. It was definitely one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite things um, that that you had on your list. Yeah, I one of my favorite favorite bands. So like a new record from them is always welcome. And to round out this one, uh, Chicago Chicago favorite uh, retirement party put out their posthumous uh, EP, free free songs, self titled. Uh, just more, I just more good stuff stuff from them. Uh, I think it's a nice little peek into what could have been for the band. It's definitely their most chilled out stuff. But it still has it still has those little like melodic lead guitar flares from Eddie Rodriguez. Um, I I I think it's just the I appreciate when a band does a posthumous release because it's at least you get this last version or this last peek into into a band at the at the end. Um, and yeah, Chicago Chicago favorites we've. And I have gushed about this band for a long time, but it's been very cool to see the growth of them in five or, or five or six years. And it also could be a peek into what Avery Springer does um, as a solo artist, 
which is like definitely more chilled out and someone who's moved away from those maybe anxieties as like uh as an 18 year old towards something that's like a little more self-assured and sure of themselves which we love to see because there's nobody who there there's like like avery is on last on the list of um, people who should not believe in themselves Avery's fucking amazing um yeah I'm I'm excited to dive into this because I absolutely loved uh I absolutely loved their 2020 release um it's definitely which, different it's definitely it, different from what they've done but I love I fucking love a power pop record more than anything. So like yeah. anytime an emo band goes in that direction, I'm going to be keen on it. Like I, I was saying that this EP is a little different. It's definitely where the last record was the guitar tones were like a little more chunky where, where this, this one doesn't have as much of that feel. It's definitely their most, they're most like indie it's their most indie rock thing in like a good way but it's still still upbeat and still has like a little bit of a drive to it okay moving on to debuts um maybe my fate maybe my favorite emo record of this year drunk uncle look up uh, and count your lucky stars the venerable emo label i think i think partially why i like this so much is I'm just really a mark for anything that sounds like emo from like 2010, like something that you could see in a basement with like Brave Bird and High Tide Hotel uh, is the way I described it in my premiere, but it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like totally pastiche, but I remember being on a train and listening to this and it just filled me with wonder. Like I, I had those fuzzy feelings where I'm like music is amazing and feeling all right about everything and yeah this this is probably this is probably my my album of the year but i think there's there's enough new stuff in here that makes it feel like you can still do the emo revival revival if you'll allow me to say that um and it can still uh, we will not i will not chide you for saying that i know exactly what you mean (laughs) so good everybody listening uh what'd you think of this i didn't have anything on this um (laughs) i i it's not that i I enjoyed everything on the list uh there again they're just uh, a thing that i am getting better and better at in my old age if i don't have a cogent opinion on something that's going to add value to a conversation i just don't say anything so um that's that's my take okay that's fair 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 uh carly cosgrove see you in chemistry their debut lp i feel like this this band's been pretty hot online yeah for a lot of people talking about it yeah and i feel like it was a big i feel like this was one of the bigger records philly band produced by algernon's own joe reinhardt um kind of reminds me of emo in 2014 or 15 yeah Um, it has huge like hotelier tiny moving parts energy yeah but it doesn't do like the tiny moving parts like i'm gonna stick in as much stuff as possible i know like there's not as much noodling if it feels like the guitar player plays more like a rhythm guitarist yeah 
which um, I which I really like. <laughs> which which is which just gives it an int- an interesting feel. Um, the power trio is always a move, and if you can pull it off, um, I always I always respect that. Um, some real like a couple of long songs on here, like it it feels as ambitious as an emo EP. I don't even know if I use ambitious, but like it's it's definitely like pretty hefty. I, f- I feel like there's a lot to chew on here. Um, part of the Wax Bodega Hive, which has been scooping up a bunch of artists, Noel it, um, Pronoun. Uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, moving on. Uh, Tree River, Time Being. Uh, this, oh, were you into this one? Yeah, I, you know, really think that I, it's just because it sounds like weaker thans and okay. I like weaker thans um, and it's it's cool hearing a band that that isn't modern baseball going for that sound yeah yeah I this one was definitely it definitely had like word of mouth of mouth buzz and I've been listening I think it's crossroading the song with Max Bemis on it that I, I've been, it's been in my rotation for a while. It's, it's like really, really, really solid emo pop. Um, just the choruses are just super, super tight. I don't know if I hear the weaker than thing as much, as much as you, but anytime anything reminds someone of the weaker thans, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. That might be just like, you know how like, any guitar, any alternative guitar rock from the modern era will sound like fucking Rise Against to somebody who doesn't have a deeper palette. I might just think things sound like weaker than because I'm like, I don't have depth in emo. <laughs> That's entirely possible. Uh, I, I won't. I'll, I'll, I thought, I won't I thought you were going to say Weezer <laughs> when you said anything from the 90s people compared to Weezer. No, which that's fucking true. So. <laughs> Yeah, m- moving on. Sweet pill, where where the heart is. This is another one I saw uh, people talking about. Like I've seen it described. It's not described. It's like low stakes. Like um, it's it's not doing anything insane, but it's very it's it's very comfortable to my ears and to what they're doing. They're doing pretty well. Like I described, I described it as like top very top shelf core i could see this yes i could see them doing doing a split with like coping back in the day um and yeah it's 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 good it's definitely more on the mathy on the mathy end you know like they, they kind of they kind of have a few riffs that like to hang their hats on and yeah it's it's super impressive i think the most obvious comp to me is pool kids right now if you like you like pool kids uh you'll like sweet pill another philly band philly is always producing top tier emo of course um moving on to what i'll what i'll just call hard hardcore emo stuff just a just a couple here we already mentioned anxious but the other one another record that would be near the top uh of my albums of the year is praise all in a dream on the venerable revelation records uh i i have been in love with this record since the first time i heard it 
I think it's it's emo in a first wave way that I appreciate. I've talked about it a lot. I feel like a lot of the bands that try to do Rights of Spring kind of miss me in a certain way. And a lot of it is, it, it just sounds too close to Guy. And Andy doesn't totally do that all the time. And I think he embodies what the first wave was trying to do, which is moving beyond hardcore tropes and trying to express something personal um dude so somebody i i posted about this this record and somebody commented sounds like rights of spring with the third eye guy the third eye blind guy singing over it and i was like fuck that's kind of like andy kind of sounds like if steven jenkins was trying to just yell uh sometimes kind of, yeah i think i'm fucking here for that like yeah yeah totally i i think that's that's part of the, i think that could definitely that's definitely there and i think it's more so on here than anything else praise has done because i think it's worth mentioning praise has been a band for a long long time yeah about 13 years yeah and i think I liked, is it Makes No Sense or no, that's the name of the song. Um, Leave It All Behind. Leave It All Behind. I liked it when it came out, but I feel like this one is like Praise has fully left the like DC Revolution summer thing. Not behind, it's still there, but I feel like this is its its own thing. And um, I tend to bring this up a lot, but I think the cover art too, some something about it just feels different and how Andy's really trying to express life in the middle um where he's the album cover uses a lot of different a lot of different colors yellow red and stuff and and how um yeah like stuff isn't black and stuff isn't black and white um I think of the the we can grow we can change um people aren't one thing like that's the line that sticks into my into my crawl it's like in a in a different i tend to bring this up too but that self-defense line like there's certain there's certain lyrics from a record that just embody what this whole what the whole statement is about and to me that we can grow line is just like it's just everything to me the the fucking the goddamn Husker Du cover at the end of the album is the sickest fucking shit of all time. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, yes, it's it's on my list, so I'll go ahead and get out ahead of it. Um, I think that this is just shy. I think that Praise's career-defining statement was Leave It All Behind. Um, I think that that was the record that validated them as a band. And I think it's still their most like concise, cogent thing. I think that this is as graceful a follow-up record uh, as anybody has ever done. And I think that there are a lot of arguments to be made for this is as good as Leave It All Behind. I think um, this is like leagues better than Leave It All that, Behind. And I think that there's a lot of a lot of people who are probably in your camp on that. Um, I'm also a big fan of Lights Went Out, the 2014 LP. I think that that record fucking rules too. Praise is in this, uh, in this 
rare situation where they're just their their personnel is an embarrassment of riches. It's just a it's a super group, um, ostensibly, and they just can't miss. And so yeah, this record is fucking incredible. And yeah, for a minute, I really thought that it was my favorite thing of theirs. I think it, it there's a there's a strong case for yeah anybody saying that it's their best work. Yeah, and like I said, it it has more to do with my with my feelings on the bands doing Rev Summer lately, and I I, I think this is to me like the the shining example of it. Yeah. Um, the only other one under this is uh, the Arrival Note, uh, self-titled off Sunday Drive Records. Um, similar, similarly, not similarly. This is doing. Keep doing that. Um, nine, this is more in the '90s emo pocket. I've I've really I was in this a lot. Similar um, came out in January uh, during kind of a dead time. Uh, I don't know. Just good. Good nine, good nineties emo. Um, could also see this coming out on Deep Elm in like two thousand one. Uh, yeah. And if you're if you're into that kind of thing, you'll 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 like it. I think one of the guys is in Point of Contact from Florida. Um, yeah. What'd you? Yeah, think they're there for fans of is like GI Bill and Almighty Watching and Envision. So big Florida hardcore energy. Yeah. I mean, I think that. Listen, I'm just always gonna like stuff the stuff that's played by hardcore people the best um i just think that hardcore people have such a have an have such an insanely cogent grasp of genre and tropes and what those things mean and how to deploy them and this is just another example of that like it's it it just oozes 90s energy and it like makes so much sense that this comes out of the same ecosystem that is doing the most capably done '90s revival in hardcore uh, than anybody who's ever fucking seen. Yeah, and like just hooks. There's so many hooks on here, like just hooks for days. Um, and then just quickly, I got two internationals: Long Live the Empire from Singapore put out Deathless, their like posthumous release. Really, really good emo pop and pro and one of my favorite releases from this year zing fu and roy put so what now uh, i i really like like this fan i think they're super under i think they're super underrated and i i try to put people onto onto this but i think it's it's got just the right amount of of riffiness to hooks which is like a very hard balance to get um but yeah, what'd you think of this one? I just like, I love the vocal style. Um, anything that is this pop sensible, you know, I'm here for. Um, like I, I, I saw like a just kind of final note from me since we were rounding the corner on this stuff. Like I think that I, I like emo stuff that is either really deconstructionist, like Lobster Fight and Your Arms Are My Cocoon, like this is like super deconstructionist and like influenced by like these insanely postmodern genres like hyperpop, or I am all about stuff that is very, very pop sensible. The stuff in the, in the middle is kind of like more kind of whatever for me. It's in those two sort of, in those two desperate zones where I'm like the most engaged. 
I yeah, I'm probably pretty pretty similar similar in that in that vein. Um, and it's been yeah, like well, closing notes. It's been like I'd say, I'd say it's been like a B, like a solid B here for you know, there's stuff there's stuff I've liked, but but um, but there hasn't been like those the high level heavy hitter heavy hitter stuff stuff for me and that's fine not every year can be a banger usually usually a chill cool down years mean that the next year is going to be insane and who knows there could be some band that comes out of nowhere next month and completely changes what i'm talking about and that's that's the fun of like really closely with the microscope tracing this stuff love it um Cool. Were you ready to shift gears over into hardcore fucking town? Hardcore, oh, hardcore town. Hardcore town. Uh, Mount Hardcore, fucking Massachusetts. Whatever. Um, yeah, I'm here to bring you my sort of uh, mid-year, mostly hardcore um, and hardcore adjacent, fucking hardcore and hardcore accessories bucket of stuff. Um, no real rhyme or reason to the way that I'm doing it. This is purely an order of selection. Although I think that what I will say is the stuff up front is the stuff that I'm like the most compelled by. Uh, and like the stuff that I think is pushing the envelope the most. Um, there's not any singles on this list besides Cycles of Pain, the newest single by Highway Sniper, um, band out of Cleveland and Rochester, um, members of Taking Meds and Heart Attack Man and Erase Them, um, political hardcore. Uh, this newest song is their like most melodic, like a lot of their stuff prior has sounded like a just pretty much one-to-one -one mix of Beatdown and Crust, which is great. This song goes in a much more like very pissed off strike anywhere kind of direction where if you know anything about me you know that that's my my zone so was really 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 blown away by that um second on the list i think for my money the most exciting hardcore release of the year so far um envision the ep and yeah. still um Envision are out of Florida, young band. They do, do from where from where I sit a pretty faithful take on the kind of initial records core of the nineties. Uh, it's the the all stuff that is pretty near and dear to me because like stuff in the you know victory initial trust kill kind of zone in the late nineties was the stuff that I initially cut, cut my teeth on. And so like, it's cool. Again, back to the whole armchair archivist thing that Gen Z has going on for them. The fact that any, anybody has the totality of information just at their disposal and they can, they can go down the rabbit hole and like revive a very specific thing. I'm just super impressed by what these, these kids have done. Uh, and I think that this, this EP is not only exciting, but like super well executed. Hugo, I know you have some, some opinions on this. 
Yeah, I really, 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 really enjoyed it. And I've, I've really, I really like Florida's version of this kind of metallic hardcore a lot. And I think like what makes this distinctive too is the the lead guitar guitar yeah. playing. There's a little bit more there's a little bit more metal influence here. And it feels like there's for like a four song EP, it feels like there's a lot, a lot going on to me. Um it, it goes places. Like I'm getting, I know that this this is probably not like a thing that they were consciously um drawing on but i'm getting a lot of very early thrice like first two thrice albums from this um but but i think the closest comps as far as stuff that's happening now um is like they this feels kind of like a nice midpoint between magnitude and one step closer as far as the sound that they're doing yeah because um, it's like really melodic i think yeah. too so, um obviously like the broken vow stuff but i think I think Broken Vow stays in the pocket yeah. to me, where this kind of diverts. And I keep saying it, but I f- it's like such a cheat code. Anytime you add some lead guitar into hardcore, it's, yes. it feels like you're cheating. <laughs> Anytime, I'm speaking from very close anecdotal personal experience, wink, wink, this past uh, couple weeks, like anytime you add some lead guitar and hardcore, it's pretty fucking turns some heads. People kind of go nuts for it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I very much enjoy this, and uh, I think as like a fun little anecdote, it, the drummer of Envision is in Eco Strike, so um, was the singer for Eco Strike, so. Um, you have you have that little nice tidbit um and i think the stuff they're referencing is like no offense bands you've never heard of when i read a no echo because you can tell they they love hardcore by mentioning uh florida straight edge from the 90s that has 400 monthly listeners kind of yeah like i'm not i'm not going to bother like going into what the influences of this band are because i have no idea who the fuck they are it's like the same <laughs> shit, like listening to the, the dudes from anxious talk about like um fucking cornerstone uh and you know obscure connecticut straight edge bands from the 90s it's like yeah <laughs> it, they're, they're, they're deep in the well and it's wonderful um staying in the metallic hardcore zone um, going into a bit more of a just straight up metalcore vibe. I think that this is objectively the most impressive hardcore release of, I would go so far as to say like up there for the decade so far, um, Foreign Hands Bleed the Dream. Um, bands have been trying to do the Trust Kill Golden Years sound. Um what bands don't understand is that they're like mixing in too much late trust kill stuff. Like good examples of bands that like take a whole, have like a holistic take on trust kill and just sort of like do like an everything bagel of the trust kill sound or like dying wish or wrist meat razor, right? Foreign hands zeros in on what I think is the most compelling era of the trust kill sound. We did a trust kill episode fucking go back and listen to that. If you haven't, um, 
which is like the early poison the well thing. I know that they're also heavily influenced by seven angels, seven plagues um, and stuff like that. This is the most capably done homage to that era of metalcore that has been done, or at least that I've heard. Um, Bleed the Dream. It's, it's, the, it's one of the best things that's come out this year. It's just, There's nothing else to say yeah. about it. It's completely fucking mind-blowing. Uh, Separation <laughs> Souvenir is probably the hardcore song of the year for me. Yeah. Uh, just just like perfect and i think another thing to mention is the music video too for that perfectly captures the vibe too um it's it's similar to like it's got victory 2002 going on too with the way it's not mm -hmm. totally the white background of silverstein thing but it feels very much like an homage to like to like that time um and i think the I think bands could try to do the Trusco thing, but some of them just don't have the hooks. Um, and I think se Separation Souvenir in particular, like Foreign Hands, has the pop sensibility to actually to actually pull it off. Um, and yeah, I felt like this one popped like big time when it came out. Yeah, people were stoked. Um, moving on, little band out of Rochester, New York, called Undeath. Um, the long-awaited album, It's Time to Rise from the Grave. Uh, Undeath have a very interesting story of they were, they were a, a band that started shortly before COVID hit, and then they put out their first LP in the smack dab in the middle of COVID with kind of zero expectations and a total just like scorched earth, fuck it, send it kind of mentality uh ended up performing really well and got them some kind of just overnight success and enabled them to as soon as as soon as shows started happening again just do some preposterously lit touring and you know them being in the uh niche of fun death metal played by hardcore kids like they were able to really quickly make a name for themselves and pretty much rise to the top of the genre within a matter of months this record is the culmination of that. I saw Undeath in February. They played a really stacked bill in Toledo with Mutilatred, who we'll get to later, and 200 Stab Wounds uh, and Hanging Fortress. Shout out Hanging Fortress from Toledo. Um, Undeath are the most... One, they're, they're, they're on the Rushmore of current death metal bands right now. Um, this album in particular, they've, they've zoned into a very specific area of from where i sit they're doing old school death metal in like a really fun and inventive way um it's got the production sensibilities of like you know like a morbid angel or a fucking bolt thrower record but they do some really 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 fun musical and rhythmic stuff and i just think that like like the the album has a fucking pull to it that just like you're just grooving and smiling the whole time. And I'm like, I'm all about when like really fucking violent and primitive fucking music makes me cheese my ass off. Did you, did you have anything about this, Hugo? No, no. I, I feel like I've been saying I should listen to this for a while, but I, I, I haven't, I've been, I haven't been 
as on my death metal thing this year just because for time just time constraints um just because i started doing a hardcore column this year so like that's taken up more of my listening than anything if i'm being honest there's only there's a finite amount of room in the dish uh so anxious anxious is like sort of the last band in my like super duper god tier of the year um the little greenhouse i've talked in length about it i'm not going to belabor it anymore um if you like emo if you like pop punk if you like hardcore if you like music if you like guitar music listen to this album it's incredible um staying in the sort of adjacent zone the non-core so to speak the homies out of chicago two houses an album called can't fail um this this album is this band is is in the zone of kind of hold steady uh japan droids college rock style emo adjacent rock right i don't think they would i think that they get broadly lumped in with emo and sometimes pop punk they're not either of those things they're like college rock they're like mid-tempo rock this record is a wonderful follow-up to their 2016 record um i feel so good i can't stand myself and it's it feels it's the only album that i've listened to post post covid being a thing and shows not being a thing that has felt like a full kind of catharsis of that of that time um, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I know that this is probably not necessarily on some of y'all's radars, but I highly, I highly recommend that you check this out. Hugo, anything from you on this one? Um, no, I've talked, I've shouted it out a bunch. Yeah, we on, have <laughs> on the show. A band that's very, very close to both of us, so I can be a bit, I can be a bit biased about how good I think this band is, but I think if you generally like any of the punk-related sub subcultures, um, you'll you'll like you'll like this. Um, yeah, and I think for me, it's if it's been it's been so long since they put out a record that it it felt very nice to come back to this and be able to trace my own growth and the past six years because when this record came out was around when trump was elected <laughs> yep i remember that's how long it's been that's the vibe <laughs> moving back over into uh into the death metal zip code um toledo's own mutilatred uh their long-awaited newest release determined to rot um full-blown lp this is such an impressive album and i know that like if i actually weren't like a death metal dilettante like i I, if i actually had any kind of depth in death metal i know that i'd be able to appreciate it even more mutilatred is the band that got me into death metal because it was basically like they're all homies from way back and like their singer tattoos me all the time and so like 
eight years ago when they started this band, that was my first on ramp into death metal. Um, That's sick. And this is this is for anybody's money the best band in the game. And I say that outside of the bias of these guys being homies, everybody in the death metal community knows that like the big names right now are like, as far as up and coming bands are like Mutilatred, Sanguisugabog, 200 Stab Wounds and Undeath. Like Mutilatred is fucking nuts. They're in the, very much in like the brutal zone of death metal. Again, not a death metal expert by any means. I only know enough about the genre to like know that this is a, an, a pretty good example of brutal death metal. It's very musically pummeling. Clay, their drummer, is like a world class, a world class fucking drummer, and it's just like does insane stuff. Everybody in this band is super fucking talented, and this record is just such a complete statement from them, um, and has some of the funniest song titles of all time. Uh, I'm just gonna read through some of the hits the first song on the album is called everyone's doing shitty uh second track is veins kind of clogged third track is smashed by a slab of concrete and then the second to last song on the album is just called shitted so pretty cool um if you're like me and are mostly a hardcore guy and death metal is foreign and esoteric land to you and, and now's as good a time as any <laughs> to uh use the the albums that i'm talking about today to to get into it um at least a little add some gory color to your uh to your musical intake um moving back over into sort of my token hardcore punk release of the year by a brand new band that from my understanding are just like fresh out of high school uh band out of connecticut called ankle biter they dropped their Yo, demo this, this fucking is so good it's insane like if you like any of the hardcore punk stuff that's been happening restraining order c4 and so on and so forth this is as good as any of it this fucking i don't know there's just something about um <laughs> this fucking record rules there's like check out this record check out live footage of them they're just such a they're the youngest looking band i've ever seen because they're all like literal children and this is the first time most of them have been in a band at all and like they put out this demo that's getting like this crazy amount of hype because they're part of a very supportive ecosystem and it's fucking awesome i love to see like i love to see young people win um especially young people that are as fucking talented as these kids are. So, um, yeah, I can, it's members of Pummel and, um, and Broken Vow. Um, just, just in case you didn't know. And I Um, think that their singer is a complete freshman. Like, I think that the singer like hasn't been in anything like they, they tweeted like, yeah, I know this because they tweeted when the when demo dropped, like, this is my first time being in a band. It's cool. Um, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, like, this is, if we're talking the hardcore punk, like, part of Straight Edge, this is, like, the platonic ideal for Oh, yeah. How could I forget? They're a straight edge band. 
as I point to my fucking watch. <laughs> They're a fucking straight edge band. Um, in an era where straight edge is probably about as uncool as it's ever been, it's amazing to see straight edge bands still happening and being proud of being straight edge. Yeah, like, I don't, this, like, it's, this is, like, the goalpost against what I'm going to compare other demos to going forward this year, because it's, it's pretty perfect, it's like, it's, it doesn't even feel like a demo, like, it sounds pretty pro, which is just a good way to be. Absolutely, and... Yeah, it's been, it's gonna be my both my benchmark for demos and also hardcore punk. Um, okay, now into a completely different territory. I guess my shit is a little more eclectic than I thought, but this is indicative. I'm gonna take a sidebar real quick, a side quest to just explain, do a high level state of the union. I think that what what I'm talking about my list so far um, is a pretty good sample of a broader trend, which we've heard talk to death. We've talked about it ourselves a lot. There's something good for everybody right now. The tail is as long and thick in hardcore and hardcore adjacent music as it's ever been. And the fact that there isn't a monoculture right now, like there are trends, there are things that are crack, that are popping, that are hot, but there's something for everybody and everybody can come to the table and have a good time. And everybody can come to the table and find something that they really, really like. This next thing I'm about to talk about is really in that zone for me because of my background, because of like where my true desire paths are in this shit. And it's the No Pressure LP by No Pressure. Uh, No Pressure, if you're not familiar for some reason (laughs) with them, is Parker Cannon from The Story So Far and a slew of other people from various pop punk and hardcore uh, acts across the country um, doing the most capable pop punk that we've seen since the early 2000s. That is rather, I think it's hardcore with a pop punk sensibility because the songs are written like hardcore songs, but they have parts in them that sound like they belong on Enema of the State. No Pressure is the 2022 updated version of Lifetime. They are the only band since Lifetime and Silent Majority that has this successfully done the dance between pop punk and hardcore, um, besides the obvious exception of maybe Title Fight. Although I think that they're doing No Pressure is doing a different thing than Title Fight because no pressure is like drawing way more directly on like the TRL pop punk of the early two thousands, specifically blink 182, but they're doing it in a way that's compelling and not corny and just sounds like a more condensed and sort of coin operated version of that. Um, the thing that I, you know, the thing that always pushed me away from the pop punk of the early two thousands is all the cultural baggage um and it's so nice like you know all the dick and fucking fart jokes and like some of the more you know uh questionable wardrobe things and no pressure doesn't have any of that it's just really really well done um hardcore with a pop punk lens and i'm obsessed with this album i can't get enough of it um you got any strong feelings on this one hugo 
Yeah, it's good. I don't know if I can if I can be as strident as you. you. Um, I remember when we first talked, you saying this is the best pop punk record since self-titled. Yeah, no, I 100% believe that. I've said that on record and I'll say that on this pod. This is the best pop punk record since Blink self-titled. It's, it's better. Than, it's better than any of the. It's better than any of the fucking um, early 2010s sad boy stuff. Not because that stuff is bad, but I don't think that stuff is pop punk. Like I think that that stuff is emo cosplaying as pop punk, <laughs> and this is actual pop punk. Yeah, I. It's good. I think I've seen it described, which is maybe closer to how I feel. Like just faster story so far yeah um That's... And it's, it's it's still it's still good and i could definitely there's parts of it that feel like blank but i feel like just because they i don't want to say they're overrated but i feel like just because they play with hardcore bands that they're given an ounce of they're that they're over overstated people overstate yeah. how good they are and if yeah. they were if they weren't playing with hardcore bands i don't know if if people in the subculture if they just heard it would be would be saying the same thing if it was the exact same record because i could say like i can kind of hear the lifetime stuff but i think if you're talking about lifetime it's like self-titled lifetime like yeah. Yeah. lifetime not like or not like original lifetime. Know, man. These songs have fucking mosh parts in them. Kind of have hella mosh parts in them. Um, Maybe I'm one, not hearing it as much. Yeah, I like. That's the thing that's so compelling about it for me is it's like it's fucking it's this fucking some forty one ass part, and then there's a fucking two stepper, and then there's like a full on fucking mosh I, I think it's i think it's dope as hell but no i can completely see what you're getting at like the the cultural context matters right and the fact that like these this band just like came out of nowhere and started being billed on hardcore shows like that matters the fact that they're like about to go like tour europe with tsunami fucking matters right all these all these factor into like the way a band is received and i'm with you if they were just coming out of purely out of the pop punk zone, I don't think they'd be being received in the same way by the hardcore community. Yeah, and it's it's like a net positive because, you know, if people get into it, and I still, I like no, I like no pressure. Like, I I enjoyed the their 2020 release, like, a lot. Like, I've listened to that a bunch. Um, and I think I just might, they might be a band I enjoy in short, form in the ep format yeah more than the lp format that might just be what it comes down to for me um and it's still it's, it's still good um and like i prefer this to story so far like if yeah. if i'm having to choose choose between the two and i think it's cool that they're doing that tsunami tour and bringing people on it's cool and, and like doing like hardcore covers on their sets yeah, that's the, that's one of the coolest things they do is they'll play like they'll cover like GB and fucking Floor Punch. It's it's dope as hell. Um, we love to see it. Getting to the end of my list here, a uh, couple more. We've talked about praise on a dream. I'm not going to say anything more about that. I've spoken my piece. 
Um, one of the first releases of the year, and I think that it's stood its ground. I don't think it's gotten too overshadowed by other stuff. Uh, Age of Apocalypse, Grim Wisdom, Closed Casket Activities. Um, Age of Apocalypse are, I think, a really, really fascinating artifact of um, what I talked about earlier uh, of the, you know, the tale of hardcore being very long and there being a lot of room for niche subgenres to really, really thrive. I think Age of Apocalypse are a great example of that. Um, they're what happens when everybody in hardcore gets their sensibilities tuned into like really thrashy riff driven mosh by bands like drain and mind force and then also like there is this sort of collective um both retcon of twitching tongues that is driven by you know the young brothers being as ascendant culturally as they are and then also everybody being really into fucking peter Steele right now um that is carnivore and typo negative uh the you take those those two kind of streams of, of, of culture and zeitgeist that are happening and you add in the you know the um upper upstate new york niche sort of troy core stuff the you know thrashy hardcore with clean clean vocals you get you get the perfect uh you get the perfect recipe for the hudson valley's age of apocalypse um they've gotten some hype off of a prior ep but i think most importantly the split that they did in last year with pain of truth they did a tour with pain of truth last fall that was amazing and i think that this album was really hotly anticipated and it did a thing that i think is really really hard to do which it was it actually hit as hard as people expected it to um it's a fucking fantastic album i'm not going to pretend that i have a whole lot of depth in this kind of you know, Troy core stuff, but it's really, really good. And I think it, 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 it is provides a full fucking album experience without overstaying its welcome. And I think it has really nice, graceful pacing. And I just think that age of apocalypse is like one of the most interesting bands in the business right now, because of the, because of the way that they're willing to be brave and bold sonically. Hugo, any thoughts on this one? No, I think you summed it up pretty well, I think. Uh, it was definitely the big record for January, if we're talking yeah. about hardcore. And I think they definitely, they did a whole, they did a whole album cycle. Like, they definitely announced it, like, a couple months in advance. I think it it was a nice way to kind of set the tone, this this year, not only for hardcore, but for what closed casket activities would do this this year. I feel I like the balance of having this record and Vane come out on the same label within a couple months of each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think of what you said, being kind of, you know, being the spiritual successor to Twitching Tongues, given that one of the brothers recorded it, too. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, worth worth noting that yeah, Taylor Young fucking produced this record. That's um that's uh it was Taylor, right? Yeah, it was Taylor. Yep. yep. I, I had trouble, that's why I didn't say his name, because I had trouble remembering. Yeah, no, Colin is the Colin is the one 
is the is the now um apparently ascendant wrestling commentator uh fucking <laughs> colin can do anything he wants that dude's a fucking machine um anyway yeah um this album's worth your listen especially if you like if you like pete Steele projects and or twitching tongues um or if you like if you i think that this also this also works if you like map if you like the map bike universe if you like sleep or high on fire i think that this is also really going to hit for you um because there's definitely some like sensibility crossover with that kind of more stonery black sabbath worshipy um school of metal um putting it as broadly and high level as possible last but very much not least at all in fact i put it last for emphasis soul glow diaspora problems um, we've talked about this record on pod quite a bit. I think that if there's anything that has come out this year that is worth belaboring and shoving down your throats, it's this record because it's incredible. Um, people rightly compare it to The Shape of Punk to Come by Refuse. We've talked about that. I think that like, while that might be that might seem like a lazy comparison i do think it holds a lot of merit because it's hard in hardcore which is a heavily parametered genre to break the parameters of the genre in a way that is compelling and not goofy it's rare that a band does it with as much uh confidence and acumen as soul glow are doing it in general and particularly on this this album which definitely is the most complete statement we've seen out of the band uh yet um it's an album that's going to make you really really uncomfortable both from like a sonic and subject matter perspective and also because it it consistently bends the expectations of what you uh of what you might be you know expecting from a hardcore record uh in a way that i think is an echo of what people must have been thinking when they heard Shape of Punk to Come for the first time in 1998. Uh, and I just think that for as much as hardcore is an embarrassment of riches, because we can get away in this, you know, enduring, you know, sacrosanct set of parameters that we set for ourselves and things can go pretty well and do going for 40 years. It's, it, it's a machine that works whenever a band is bold enough and has enough vision to break out of that like we saw last year with Turnstile. Um, it's going to be a good time and it's going to be like an extra rich experience for everybody listening. So um, Hugo, any, any thoughts on this one? I mean, you, you pretty much said it once again. Um, I think so far, if I want to look at like, the one record from to like describe the year in hardcore to someone, I think this is this is the one. Um, and it's it's cool to see a band kind of get their get their flowers. Um, who's been working for a while and it feels like this is the record they've been trying to make yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, and that's always very cool to see. Yeah. So that that brings us to the end of our list making exercise. 
Um, I know that I've already kind of touched on a lot of the higher level points that I, uh, that I had. There's obviously a lot of stuff, a lot of very prominent stuff that was glossed over, particularly in the hardcore zone. Um, honorable mentions, obviously, to Vane, Gridiron, and Drug Church. Um, those are among the, the unmentioned things, probably the most prominent ones. Uh, can you think of anything notable that was left out? I mean, there's a probably a lot I could. I think for me, Inclination put out yep. one of my favorite things. For sure. From, from this year, um, I've listened to the song of Decision, which is just about uh, the decision to turn straight edge like a million times. It has a singer from Magnitude and One Step Closer on it. Uh, I, I'd have to, I'd have to think on it more. I feel like that Simi Locker record was pretty. Oh, good call. Re- recently, I feel like in general, if we want to go more high level stuff about like hardcore, I feel like this was the year of Days Records. Yes, I, I feel like this. They've already been pretty hot last year like they put out the paint painted truth um age of apocalypse thing i believe i might be wrong um but i feel right i I feel like days has been they put out a lot of stuff that volcano ep volcano um, ep was ridiculous that like almost made the cut for me um i just found out they're gonna be playing toledo in august and that's fucking insane i can't wait awesome uh I'm sh- yeah, there's, there's, there's other stuff I'd, I'd have, I'd have uh, trouble think, thinking of right now, but I, um, I think in general, I, f- I feel pretty good about, about the hardcore stuff this year. Um, def- definitely, I, I, I feel like last year might have been a little bit stronger, but, but it's definitely been like a really, really good year. Um, New Morality Zine and Sunday Drive Records have been kill, killing it this year. Um, they sure terms, have. In terms of smaller labels, Ankle Biter came out on Sunday Drive. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I feel like you you covered a, a little t- some tasting notes. It's not. Yeah. It's not the end all and I'll be all certainly not nor should it be this is you know like every like every subject we treat this is meant to be a survey course and now the beautiful part of of this is that you get to do your own digging and diving and figure out what you like um anything from you Hugo before we sign off no it's just always glad to to do this it's been a it's been the two sides, me making an unnecessarily long list of emo. And hey, it's with your calling card. It's what you do best is be exhaustive, but not exhausting about emo. Um, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. And uh, there are going to be companion playlists linked in the episode notes, as per usual. Um I want to thank you uh, for for being here, and we hope that you're able to, you know, put yourself on a a steady course 
of enjoying the music that's come out this year. If you, for whatever reason, haven't had the time or energy to keep up with things and give you a little Christmas gift, a little, little Christmas in July gift of some things to check out. So um, join us next time. In the meantime, have a great week. <laughs>